On 1116 SEM, the Four Diego's. trying to get into the game here. Runs to the right, first time ball in the box. Down with you, Barkerberry. Johnny Katumbas stuck the arm out, and he's been called for a penalty for handball inside the area. Well, it has been a navy blue record, and one that Archie Thompson has proudly held. But his former teammate stands over the ball, looking. At a moment of history for him. This is Bessar Parisha from the penalty spot. Jack Duncan stands in his way. Victory looking for the lead here. Study of concentration from Bessart. He fires home and he has the A-League scoring record. Might have more to do here as they come forward again. Troisi looking for him. Bessart touches it back. In they come. Troisi can cut this across the six-yard box. And Rojas is there. And it's 2-0 to Melbourne victory. That was magnificent. Barisha Troisi setting up Rojas. I just literally said he wasn't involved in the game. Take that, Ed Wyatt. Bang. <laughs> Rojas is right there. What a team goal, Francis. Speaking of lifting the tempo. Here they come again. Marco Rojas inside the area. This is Fahid Benkelpa. Close range. He scores, does he? He does. I, I think he does. I think it's gone over the line. Duncan initially saved it, Francis, went back for a second bite of the cherry, did Duncan, and I think he either pushed it over the line or couldn't keep it out. It's coming back the other way now, 3 little Melbourne victory, and then it's Marley Lay from distance, and the Jets pull up back immediately! How about that? Place was still sort of stunned by the fact that Ben Kalfala's goal just went over the line if indeed it did and Malele who we mentioned Francis has really added something since he's come on has put it in the back of the net penalty area almost for Borussia not quite still they come forward Melbourne victory still it is Tracy from close range and he fires at home with real power and it's four goals to Melbourne victory and now they are out of sight on Brown trying to get four for the Newcastle just Malene Brown goes forward and scores a second to deflected deflected goal Francis 4-2 4-2 cruel deflection of Lawrence Thomas Brown gets their second and he's been six goals in this one tonight G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diego's final whistle here in 1116 SEN Melbourne's home of sport Hey, and thanks to our SEN call team Francis Leach and Ed Wyatt uh, having a bit of fun there in the Melbourne victory Newcastle Jets game where the victory defeated uh, Newcastle 4-2 we'll get into all of the details very very shortly but Rodrigo Rodriguez with you Thanks for joining us on this Monday night. Happy New Year to all of uh, our listeners, and of course, Happy New Year to you, Warren. Yeah, thanks, Rodrigo. My happiness quickly waned. <laughs> it did too, <laughs> can I say? But uh, no, I've been. I've got to be positive. Carlos in the pre-game meeting talked about being up and being positive for the first game of the season that we've covered, which I'm going to be. But I'm going to say this to you right now, right from the top. <laughs> Goals 
from poor decision change. <laughs> they change games. Carlos Alberto Diego. They change Happy games. New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Rodrigo, and uh, and our listeners out there. 2007, we're well and truly into that now. Yes. Uh, what, uh, 24 hours into it, whatever it is, 48 hours into it. And, uh, and already some controversy in tonight's game. Uh, we've got to... Have got to fill a show for two hours, so let's pick the contra- pick the eyes out of the controversies. <laughs> but uh, we'll, uh, you know, once once we uh, oh, tell the listeners what actually happened, mm. uh, we'll uh, discuss the game. And happy to New Year to Vinny Venezuela mm. as well, who's uh, well off, earned off this week. It's well yeah. earned. Yes, um, apparently a... he's celebrating the Ven- Venezuelan New Year is not celebrated <laughs> until a few days after right. everyone else is. You know the yeah. big wall chart in your office, which is the Diego's holidays. You have to actually <laughs> put right. that in. Yep. How did he get this week off? It's right next to the clock clock card. Yeah, yeah, yeah clock in, right. yeah, clock, clock off. In, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, anyway, no, no. how did he get this week well, off? Well, he's just been he's just been a really good radio broadcaster, okay. no and that's why you get denied because okay. you've just got to have more. I keep and more putting practice. in for holidays, right. and I never well, get them. And the reason why, just for our listeners, the reason Warren's querying that is because we're on tonight. Of course, yes. we're on Wednesday night yes. for our normal Wednesday night show. Then on Friday, Friday night, night because there's a game that mm. night. And then a game. It's the, Melbourne City versus Western Sydney Wanderers. Well, yep. I was getting it's a six-pointer. It's a six-pointer yep. for yep. about uh, for, for the next six weeks or yep. so. We're even on Saturday. That's nights. right. So it's disco night on Saturday nights. That's right. Uh, we're doing the final whistle on most of those Saturday what nights. What are we doing on Saturday? But nights? it's got to be a disco show, really. Yeah, no, it should be good. So uh, that's why Vinny uh, Vinny's missing this week. But uh, hey, it was a big, big night, of course, and in, in Geelong at Simmons Stadium, Melbourne victory, as I said, defeated uh, Newcastle Jets four two. Barisha scored a penalty in the thirtieth um, minute. That was his ninety first goal, and now the uh, highest goal scorer of all time yes. in the A League is just his. Now, when Rojas scored in the 34th minute, it was 2-0 at half-time, and then Kalfala scored in the 60, 60th minute. Lele Ma scored in the 61st minute, pretty much straight after that, and then Troisi to make it uh, 4-1 in the 69th, and then Brown scored a deflected goal in the 76th minute. As I said, at Simmons Stadium in Geelong, 14,081 people. Fairly decent crowd mm. for a Monday night, but uh, this was an interesting game, wasn't it really, in the end? A victory... Would have, wouldn't have liked to have conceded two goals, but they uh, bossed this game um, absolutely right. Oh, they bossed it. Yeah. Well, look, I, I like to go to the thesaurus and pick those oh, do, yes. the words that come to mind when I'm describing what I thought about the game, or Victory's performance in particular. Comfortable. Confusing. <laughs> a little bit confusing. Yeah. Uh, fortuitous at times. Well, there was, or, well, that's we'll one word, fortuitous. Yeah. And the four-word phrase... Hungry like the wolf when they wanted to be. That's six words. Or yeah, seven words. Duran Duran there, yeah, exactly right. No, I so, I, I, I just, I'm going to take issue yeah. with a couple of your words. I don't know. What, 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 what word did not describe some well, part of that game tonight? In all honesty, neither goalkeeper had made a save in the first 30 minutes. There hadn't been a shot on target or, and possession was about 45, 47, 52. Until Chris Beath. I mean, Fair income. <laughs> you look at yet. something. You've got the perfect view, and you make an error. Goals change games. Firstly, before you start, goals before change you start games. micro analysing this game, well, you were wrong. Comfortable the broad, is wrong. The broad, the broad ninety minutes. Who was a better side? Was that was that scoreline not indicative of uh, victory? They only dominance became tonight? the dominant side after getting a fortuitous penalty at the, in the thirtieth minute oh, mark. No, From no, that no. point, they were dominant. All the you should. You should predicate what you say on two things. Game, first 30 minutes. Even, 
Okay, at even. Best, at best, even. At, at okay. best, even. Limited chances. It, at, at worst, victory was actually the better side in that third. third but without, just without because, any just because Newcastle is plucky, just because they put a couple of passes together, they've got to actually go for ninety minutes. That's what neither yeah. team had, had a shot on target. Victory, either, victory team. are a team. Rodrigo, uh, any, and, as any other good teams in the competition, like Sydney FC or uh, Brisbane Raw, they are teams that it, they don't necessarily have to get the upper hand from the first minute of the game. They could take twenty minutes to warm into things, but ultimately, when victory put the foot on the pedal any time oh, yep, through the game yep. tonight, they were dominant. Chris Beef put his whistle to his mouth, not yep. not foot to the floor. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. We'd love to hear from you. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Uh, Carlos, what what is the hotline tonight? The hotline is Victory Own Geelong. <laughs> Hotline. If there's any expansion consortium out there who think they're going to own Geelong, I think Victory tonight owned Geelong. They've owned it for the last couple of years. Melbourne City's missed the boat for Geelong, by the way. They had a chance to get over there and own it, but they didn't. Melbourne Victory stepped in there two or three years ago, and now they own Geelong. So no hope for expansion teams. Like, no, yeah, I can hear I can hear the can of worms just uh, <laughs> slowly opening. Absolutely. Send us a text message as well on zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Today's show is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and uh, the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Scott. Right up, right off the bat here is our first call this night on the final whistle. Good day, Scott from Craigieburn, and welcome to the show. Happy New Year, amigos. Yeah, well, Happy New Year to you. Same to you, Scotty. Just another three points, mate, in the bag. <laughs> Pretty easy game. Yep. And, well, I'll tell you what, this could be the first time I ever agree with Warren. Decisions like what happened with Russia in the first half, they do change games. I mean, look at that FA Cup game where Kale's standing you know, five metres offside and the referee decided to keep his whistle. <laughs> and it changed the whole game where we were just uh, yep. going for him. We've got caught on the ground. Isn't that right, Warren? Yeah, that, that actually, <laughs> Scotty, we've, we've talked about first for the evening. You've agreed with me. And I just agree with you. So there you go. You're 100 percent right. He's, ta- he's taken. The, you don't even recognise he's taken a Mickey out of you, yeah. right? Uh, there there um, is no way you I, can say that victory weren't the dominant side tonight when they wanted to be. No, they, they controlled they that whole and game. Scotty, thanks for the um, thanks for the tip last night in regards to the uh, hemorrhoid cream. It really actually worked too. That's good. <laughs> oh, mate, they are useless. Melbourne City, mate. No, they are useless. <laughs> um, one thing I will say, I don't think that was a penalty to Brucia, but the Valeri one. There was no way in history that's a penalty. You look at the big four leagues in the world, 99 times out of 100, that would be a penalty. He's standing a metre and a half away from him. Yeah, but it, the problem is, Scott, if you're giving the first one against the young boy Catrupus... <laughs> Is it, is it Catrupus? Catrupus, right? Yep. A very young, you know... Good young talent that he is. If you're going to give that one... And with the referee only 10 metres away, you can't they're be They're both say, pens. The, yeah, they're both penalties by a mile. In fact, the Valeri one's more of a penalty than the Newcastle one. Yeah, no, I've got to disagree with you there, mate. He had no time to react to nothing. He's standing right there. The ball, are you watching any of the leagues, mate? There's no way that's a penalty. And the ball wasn't coming a metre and a half away from the guy from uh, Newcastle. But, as I said, I don't think the first one was a penalty anyway. Mm. And I'll tell you what, I've got a tip. Usually I'm on Warren's back. I'm on you to ride him tonight. I'm going to ride an insufferable twat who drives Melbourne Victory supporters up the wall. Andy Harper, <laughs> give it away, mate. I tell you, give it away before I end up smashing my flat screen TV. I tell you, I've had enough of him. What, what, what did Andy do tonight there, Scott? Just being his usual insufferable twat, barricading for the opposition. Just call the game, mate. That's all we ask. One way or another, just call the game. Don't, don't 
go over things and, ah, oh, this is a penalty, this has changed the game, it's a two-goal swing, oh, now they're going to talk about it. They better get another goal here so we don't talk. Oh, yeah, but I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, Scott. <laughs> I'll, 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 tell, I'll tell you just a little bit of an insight. Not that we have much of an insight in the media. We've only been doing it for 23 years, but we're still <laughs> just learning ourselves. Sometimes what you've got to do is when there's something, when there's not much to talk about, but you know you've got to be on for two or three hours, which we've had to be on at different times, sometimes you've got to find these little talking points. And even if they're ridiculous, and even, they are, even if they are completely... Uh, not part, not normally part of any conversation to be out there. It gets people like yourself ringing up a radio station and bagging the person who said it. So, in a way that you know, he, he doesn't mind you bagging him as long as, as long as you're just talking and debating about what he said. I think that's uh, the important thing here. Thanks for your call there, Scott. Really appreciate uh, your call. Always offering uh, interesting oh, you know, insights. You know, I find you know, you know, the you advice did... I get from Scotty a little bit more constructive than the stuff that I get from <laughs> Carlos normally. But you know, you know, he really didn't mean. He was, he was taking the mickey out of you, you know. Well, he didn't you know mean what? that he agreed with you. Even though I've had the occasional, you know, the occasional verbal stoush with Scotty. I'm always a glass half full guy when it comes to people who provide feedback, Carlos. As much as you might see it as negative, I always take the positive out of it. And but you you go straight to that contentious. And by the way, I agree that that was never a penalty. Uh, only after I'd seen it, by the way, a few times on replay. Uh, but I still don't excuse Chris Beath, the referee, because the referee was probably the closest person, unencumbered view of that, and he still called a penalty. So and why does he pay it? Well, I, I, look, well, it happened, it happened pretty... Happened, his arm, look, he was sort of on the angle, he but he still... It was unencumbered. There was no player in the view, and he had plenty of time to think about it. In fact, he didn't give it straight away. He thought about it a bit, and he still gave it. And then uh, does he think to himself... Does he think to himself the same thing with Valeri? Oh, I mean, what's the... How does well, he I actually interpret it differently? I didn't I see... Thought, no, I didn't see his positioning for the Valeri one. But I certainly saw his positioning for the for the Newcastle I've, one. I really thought Valeri had his arm to his side. He didn't really move his arm. There was arm no to your side. there was no Come on, there no. was no movement towards no, the it, ball. It doesn't have to be a movement. I mean, if you've got your hand, they call it yeah, the no, unnatural and unnatural. He looks position. very natural to me, Carla. Yeah. <laughs> That's if you're flying like a bird. Yeah. You know, he's got he's got his arm out. All I'm saying is, if you're going to pay the first one, pay the second one. You got to pay the second I one. I understand that point, yeah. but I, I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't. But um, anyway. Uh, Hey, fellas, oh, here we go, Jay and Layla, arm up versus arm in, big difference. Uh, it's kind of my argument as well. But anyway, Melbourne City went to Morwell instead of Geelong. Um, <laughs> and Warren, you're starting to sound like Kilkenny. There's Michael in uh, Point Cook, but even M in Doncaster. Is that Warren or Neil Kilkenny? We was robbed. <laughs> M, thanks yeah. for that, 9429-1116. Give us a call tonight on the We Own This City, Geelong. Uh, yes, We Own Geelong. Can I ask, can I ask a question? Tonight, it was interesting because Scotty was talking about Andy Harper, and in early in the coverage, um, they were, the first question I think that um, was asked was around expansion and Geelong being possibly considered as an expansion team, and Andy Harper dismissed Cadinia Park as a as a location because the A League has moved away from playing a rectangular game on an oval pitch, but and they're playing. At Homebush. Yeah, I know, but that's more... So, see, that's, it's just a ridiculous comment that makes no sense. No, but in terms of permanency around a venue, they're only playing yeah. at Homebush because of the unavailability of Parramatta Stadium For, and also but, uh, the phenomenon two, which was Coldplay. 2019. Yeah, but that's... To, to 2019, they could go and play. Maturity. They could go and play at the Sydney Football Stadium, but I think they've chosen not to. 
because of the where it is with relation to their fans. Look, you know, the thing is, if the best can, if the, uh, we'll get onto this conversation a bit later on, but basically, if the best application or proposal comes from Geelong, and it's on, and they're going to play their home games there, well, it wouldn't matter to you. Well, I mean, obviously, they'll probably have to play some games at Amy Park. For some, you know, Amy Park or Etihad or whatever it may be, but that's the only stadium in that region. If you're going to give it to a Geelong consortium, it has to come hand in hand with playing at Simmons Stadium. So this thing about oh, we can't play at Oval, I mean, really, Finnegan, that it's not so impossible to think that you could play a game of <laughs> it football. It looked okay there. to me. Yeah, of course, it always looks okay. Yeah, I mean, play on a in a rectangle. Yeah, 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 yeah still, it's not like they're going to play in a, an oval ground and suddenly there's a full forward it's and the, the full atmosphere. back and there's a ruck rover. I mean, this is still football. <laughs> On a rectangular well, victory, ground, and victory played it. Uh, victory yeah. played Eddie had, which is an oval. Yeah, and really the way they, the way victory do it, they push it to one, to almost to one side, so it doesn't even look like rectangular unless you get the the wide shots yep. of, the, of the crowd. And look, who's to stop? I mean, where's the where's the ground in in New Zealand where they actually put the temporary seating up? It looks really great. That the, the actual ground where you uh, mean the cake tin? Not where no, they no, play. no. There's a, they actually often take the game elsewhere. Oh yes, and they, they, they've got Hamilton te- yeah, and a few other stands. places. You wouldn't even know that they were temporary stands. So who's to stop our know, consortium from Geelong playing their games there and and just having these temporary sort of stands around the side to make it fully rectangular? There's ways around it. So let's not get on the you know on this whole thing about stadiums because. Once we go down that path, we won't be playing at half the stadiums in Australia because they're not rectangular. And, and by the way, we don't own them, so suddenly we're paying too much money for them. Mm. So we've got to actually look at the best proposal, look at see if it's a you know a professional standard stadium, which Simmons Stadium is, and we work around that. There doesn't seem to fantastic. be sorry. There doesn't seem to be any real push from Geelong, though, does there? In terms of they an don't actual need to be consortium. pushing right now, but they don't need because the, the the criteria hasn't even come out. The fact that the FFA lost control of this whole thing once, you know, the likes of Tasmania and I think a few others already say we want to, you know, South Melbourne, they've all come out and said things before time. Now, I don't know what the strategy is behind that for these consortiums because the criteria doesn't come out till sure. late January or February. And that's when we'll know for certain whether, um, you know, whether, you know, these consortiums have any chance at yeah, all. And you haven't heard much from, you know, southern Sydney. No. You know, you're hearing these people are putting it all together, just keeping their powder dry. Uh, just a few pragmatists off the text message. Uh, Brian in Sanctuary Lakes, he called a penalty tonight because he thought it was a penalty. Simple as that. His job, that's his job. You win some and you lose some. And then Newcastle player stepped into the ball, ref viewed it from the side and called it a penalty. Dom. I mean... Yeah, but I'd like those two. I'd like those. They're both right. The referee made a call, and that's fine. It's probably better than a non-decision. Okay, but in saying that, how can you? How can a professionally trained referee, if you, one or two ways, if you if you give the first one a penalty, how don't you give the second one a penalty, or vice versa? It just that's the thing that astounds me. If they'd both been given. You'd probably say, well, you've lost one and you've gained one, you know. But I just don't understand the difference, and I don't see any difference between the two. Just uh, from Tom in Greenvale, the FFA have just received over $530 million from Foxtel. I think it's more like 365 or something. I can't remember exactly. But uh, cannot afford full-time officials. Putting the game into disrepute once again 
um, and then ask why no commercial backing for our beautiful game, disgusting FFA. There you go. Well, they have they got have, professional yeah, referees. Chris Beak is one of them. Wrong on that one. Who, sorry, who is that from? Uh, Tom in Greenvale. Yeah, Tom. There's a few factual things. They, they actually have, I think, half three? the referees. Three. I think three there's three yeah, professionals who are full time, and uh, I'm pretty sure Chris Beath is one of he them. He is. And uh, and the other one's about three hundred. Was it three hundred? It was sixty. What fifty seven or sixty seven? Fifty seven. And maybe you might see seven point six million a year. Three hundred sixty. And maybe you see might see some of the extra cash go into a full time panel of referees. And look, we only need five. But it's not making any difference in that. Not seemingly. Um, I don't know whether it's just hysteria in the media, or whether whether we've got genuinely bad referees. I'm not sure about that. Chris Beath was, uh, I think, had a relatively good game. I don't think there was too many other controversies, uh, but he was actually quite close to that first one. Uh, and that and second one, I, I, like I said, I don't know where he was uh, situated for that to call that. But that's where the assistant referee comes in too. That was on the side of the assistant referee where he could have maybe made the call too. But anyway. Interesting stuff. Mm. Uh, 942-911-16. If you're on your way home from Geelong, get on the phone. Give us a yeah. call. 942-911-16. Or send us a text message on 0433-981116. It's 28 minutes past 10. Now give me a beat. Vinny's Best on Ground. No Vinny Venezuela here, but with thanks to uh, Best on Plumbing, Victoria's trusted plumbing and drainage experts. They've been around for 26 years. Uh, Beston.net.au is the website. I'll give them a call on 1300 Best on. Warren, you're stepping in. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to do tonight. it controversially because probably James Teresi was the best player on the ground, but I'm going to give it to Bessart Barisha in breaking the record from the penalty spot. I think in five years in this country... What he's done, I would have expected that no one would have done it, would have broken the record in the speed that he's done it, in the manner in which he's done it, the consistency now across two teams, and he's also a guy wherever he goes, he wins titles. So as much as he may not have been the best player for the game today, but scoring that goal means that for me, he was best on ground. There you go, uh, Warren Diego. Well, um, it is best player for tonight. It's not about what he's done in the past or how many goals he scored. But I, I see what he does there. We'll give him, no, we'll give him that tonight. He, he was pretty good, though. Uh, but, uh, he was pretty good, but yeah. it's best on ground. Anyway, but... Uh, like best on plumbing. You know, you, know when, you know when you say things like that, listeners are expecting you yeah. to actually be sincere. Now, if you're going to say that on air after the conversation we had during the break, which I'm not going to divulge... There's an insincerity there that needs to be exposed, Rodrigo. I mean, well, I mean, you did get it in writing that it was okay. But, uh... <laughs> and then he turned on me. Anyway, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. We're going to take a break now and come back with more of the final whistle on eleven sixteen SEN Melbourne's home of sport. Okay, guys, the rules of soccer are very simple. If it moves, kick it. If it doesn't move, kick it until it does. This has been a halftime pep talk by the Four Diego's. 
Thanks for joining us on the final whistle here in 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. It was 4-2 tonight. Melbourne victory defeated Newcastle Jets. Barisha scored his uh, goal in the 30th minute. That was his 91st goal. Uh, Rojas, Kalfalar and Troisi scored the rest of them for victory. And Lele, Ma and uh, Brown scored for Newcastle Jets. A decent crowd in uh, at Simmons Stadium in Geelong of 14,081 people. Uh, apparently it was fantastic. There's a yep. convoy heading back to Melbourne uh, just off the text message. Toot your horns if you're in the convoy. <laughs> just make a lot of noise. You'll probably be outside Lara right there. Well, Brad in Hillside yep. is definitely on his way home. So hey, if, you're on your, if you're on your way, give us a call, 94291116. Just off Twitter, uh, of course, if you want to get in touch with Diego's, at 4Diego's on Twitter. Anthony Grimey, our good friend from the FFA, FFV, rather. Uh, all the best for a great show tonight, gents. Uh, plenty of football shirts seen in Geelong today. was really great to see. Maybe he's sort of indicating a little bit of a push towards the expansion team there. Uh, we've also got uh, Peter Tanevsky, uh, who says, How's Warren feeling right now? Are you feeling okay, Warren? Why wouldn't I? Anyway, <laughs> uh, and also uh, from Randy... Um, of course, uh, his message was about the penalty controversy. There was no similarity between the penalty and non-penalty. Arguing that one should influence the other is saying the ref should guess. And I suppose uh, my argument with that is, uh, Randy, that uh, you, one should not influence the other. That's you know you just can't do that. But if uh, if you're looking at the different type, if he's going to look for some sort of consistency in uh, what he's uh, you know, adjudicating for. I just reckon if you're going to give the first one, which I think was less of a penalty, uh, if you're calling that a handball, the other one's definitely a handball. If you're looking for consistency, but certainly one should not influence the other. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I'm not trying to make this about me either, by the way, for all the people seemingly wanting to say stuff about me. But anyway, anyway, I'm just, I don't know. It's funny because I, I watch a lot of Premier League and you read coverage in the Premier League and there is a tension on the referees. For instance, the guy who refereed the Man City-Liverpool game had come off the controversy of um, sending off Vardy and then, have an, and then it being overturned on appeal. So there is a focus on decisions in the Premier League, just like there is but here. You've got, to, you've got to actually, we'll get some calls, we but uh, we've got to actually decide whether that focus is driven by coaches who are trying to deflect from their team's performance or... Real controversy by bad, yeah, generated yeah. by bad refereeing. Decisions. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Would love to hear from you. Let's go to Craig, who's been patient. He's on the road and wants to talk about expansion. G'day, Craig, and welcome to the final whistle. G'day, boys. Thanks for having me. Look, great by victory again tonight. Nice to see us. Uh, really hot on the heels of Sydney now. So watch out, Sydney. We're coming, um, boys. Just a quick one on expansion. Look, I just I think we're sugarcoating something here, and we're tap dancing around the subject. There was 14,000 odd tonight there. I'm on the road right now back to Melbourne with 13,500, <laughs> maybe 100 odd Newcastle supporters, and the other 400 were probably the ones selling us the chips. Yeah. So, look, I think if you want to talk expansion, let's not forget the passion of the Victory supporters with the people who are there tonight, and I'm heading back with them now. So, yep. let's not kid ourselves that Geelong has something huge and big to build on. If they do that's separate to that, that's great, but if they really had something, there would have been 30,000 there tonight. Yeah, no, but you've got to also say, Craig, that not the whole of Geelong or that region would be barricaded for victory anyway. If there is a Geelong team in the A-League, you've got to assume 
that people who are sports lovers in Geelong, you know, plus football lovers, would probably gravitate to yeah, that side. Yeah, there's a parochialism about that town yeah, that, that if they have their own. And team. we've seen that for for years with the with the Geelong Cats and another their basketball team and so forth. It's you know it's uh, it's only an hour or so out of Melbourne and uh, and but it's like a it's a bit of a fortress when you go down there. Sometimes it's like an away trip overseas. Sometimes when uh, when you know. Uh, Teams go there down there to play basketball or, or AFL football. So, yeah, I understand your point, but I, I just think if it's a Geelong team and where, where Geelong people can gravitate to, uh, that probably uh, you'll probably see different numbers there for that. Thanks for your call there, Craig. Uh, let's go to John in Mooney Ponds. Wants to talk about the game tonight. Good day, John, and welcome to the show. Uh, good day. Yeah, guys. Um, yeah, I agree with the guy what he said previously, but at the same time, you know, like Carlos, like he said as well, you know, you can't expect uh, Geelong people to come and support victory. So you can't, there's not, you know, there's all these pre-game, uh, how can you say, news about, oh, come out and, and, and show us that we're, you know, that we can be an expansion team. Look, a lot of people from Geelong are old school football supporters. So they're not going to come and watch victory. If anything, they'll support their own team. So, uh, yeah, as much as I have to agree with the other guy, he said about... You know, 30,000 supporters were victory, probably a couple hundred uh, Jets, and the rest were probably locals. So you can't expect, you know, I wouldn't. I lived in Geelong, and I was hoping that a um, local team would, you know, start up in the A-League. I don't know if I would specifically go watch Melbourne City or Melbourne Victory myself. Yeah, no, no, I think you're 100% right there. I think, uh, you know, the momentum will come... If they get a license, they get a team, they go through that colours, membership and that sort of stuff when it's their own team. So I would think that... I mean, I think the Geelong region's got potential beyond just Geelong. I think it's got Western you know, Western suburbs from Werribee down and I think it's got, you know, that peninsula... I mean, yeah, I, that area... Yeah, but Warren, <laughs> is it going to have... Because what we're talking about here, for me, the next... The teams that come in have to be almost in a, put into a ready-made hotbed. Like West Sydney Wanderers is such a huge success because they put it in the hotbed that they've been talking about for decades yep. in West Sydney, right? Geelong's now, not a hotbed. Well, if it's not a hotbed, I don't reckon we should have a team in Geelong, right? It's got to, we don't want another situation where we have a Melbourne City. And uh, with all due disrespect to you, Warren... <laughs> when we have a Melbourne City that we know now they've bought big name players, Tim Cale's in town, and they still get the numbers they do, that they will be a slow burn over time. Yes. If they keep on winning, they'll get their numbers over time. Yeah, I agree. They're going to be in it for the long haul, right? But we don't need another team like that in Melbourne. If you're going to put a team in Geelong, you've got to be absolutely assured that you'd get twelve to 15,000 people there every game because they're football people that are in a hotbed. I don't think you can guarantee well, that. Well, if you can't guarantee it, I'm jumping off Geelong. Well, you can't You can't really take tonight as an indication. No, no. this was a Melbourne victory game. No, absolutely. I agree with that. Yep. But I'm not taking tonight as an right. indication. Yep. But if the Geelong consortium is, it needs to be arguing that this is a hotbed. Yeah, no, definitely. We don't want another six and 7,000 and say that's okay. We don't need another team like that in Melbourne. It's going to be very interesting to see, uh, would you say, Carlos, February, March of next year when, when all the... Uh, this severe, the cri- no, actually, I think year, it's... Course, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's February, uh, yeah. the criteria come yeah, out, the official criteria, we'll see. Thanks for your call there, John, really appreciate that. Let's go to Ruby in Grovedale, who's coming home. G'day, Ruby. Hello, 
Hello, how are you? Very well. What do you think of tonight's game, Ruby? Yeah, I loved it. There's not a lot of like um, professional games that come down to Geelong, so it's good to go and see it. I, I love the Grovedale pub there, Ruby. Oh, really? I've been there a few times. You probably haven't been there yet, Ruby, have you? No, uh, you're a bit young for that place, but uh, <laughs> I, I've had a couple of counter meals there at different times over the years. Very nice on the way to Torquay. So, Ruby, you're yeah. a bit of a football supporter. You love your football? Yeah, definitely. I play for a local team. Okay, who do you play for? Barwon. Uh, Barwon. Barwon, okay. And uh, and what age group do you play? Uh, women. Oh, you're, uh, what, senior women's, is there? Yeah, senior women's. Oh, fantastic. Well done. And are you a victory, victory fan or you just go to the game because you just love football? Yeah, victory game, but I also would just go to any game because I like to watch it. Do you come up to Melbourne, oh, Ruby? No, what? It's pretty hard to go up to Melbourne, but, um, but I would. Very now, good. Ruby, big question for you. If a Geelong consortium came up with an A-League proposal, do you think that you draw your ten to 15,000 locals to games to support that team? Yeah, definitely. I reckon the locals would definitely go. Like, soccer is pretty big in Geelong, I guess. Like, we have a few teams around. Um, so yeah, Carlos I mean, is wrong, Ruby. Carlos is wrong because he is no, often I, wrong. No, I've just, Ruby, I've just asked the question about whether it's a hot she gave you the answer. And I'm asking people who live in the area, who breathe football in the area, you guys are the experts, and you're telling me, Ruby, that it can happen. Yeah, I reckon. And we've got, like, like, really good talent down here, so I reckon they could probably get a good team together. Good there stuff. you go, Carlos. You're Thanks, wrong. Thanks, Ruby. Thanks for your call, Ruby. Really appreciate that. And, uh, and, keep, and, keep and Carlos had Ruby... Underage going to a hotel. It's very good effort. <laughs> well, she plays no, there's, a kid, there's a kiddie part. It's a family hotel. Oh, the, a kiddie oh, so she's play. on the playground. Actually, well, she, she was play. playing for the women. Yes. yes. Anyway. Women's team. So let's go to Paul in Geelong. G'day, Paul, and welcome to the show. G'day. How you going? Yeah, very, very good. Well. Yeah, we want to send City to Geelong. Get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, are you from Geelong? Yeah, I am. Okay, if they... I'll ask you so the question. You're victory fans. But if they... If uh, a Geelong consortium came up with a proposal, do you think that it would be a success in Geelong? Any way we can get rid of City, get them out of Melbourne, <laughs> that, that'll, that'll do us. Yeah, but, but I'm not sure that City would track the ten to 15,000 down there. I'm talking about, will a local consortium that's purely a Geelong team? Yeah, it could work, could work. You don't sound that confident, though? No. <laughs> you're obviously, Paul, you're obviously worried about Melbourne City coming after victory. <laughs> uh, not at all, not at all. So why do we need to move down to Geelong then? Just stick them. Oh, okay. Oh, well. Yeah, we have won the only trophy this year. You're right. Now, Paul, how many, I mean, is there a big so court cohort of uh, supporters for victory that live in the Geelong area? Oh, there's, Oh, we just yeah. uh, lost Paul. Probably um, Paul lost inspiration. Then <laughs> I don't know. lost a bit of inspiration. <laughs> Probably did. I think you. Uh, I think that question was pretty difficult there, Carl. He couldn't count them. Anyway, thanks for your call there, Paul. Really appreciate that. Um, hey, uh, Marie. Happy New Year to you. And uh, Marie just wants to say congrats to the legend Bessart Barisha. Yep. Well done. Uh, looking pretty in second. Warren Silvio in Faulkner. Yeah, yeah, second at, at a meaningless time of the season, Silvio, can I say. There you go. Well, it starts to take meaning now. It did his after Christmas. Uh, tonight's game should have been at least an hour earlier. Would have got a few more thousand there. Michael in Point Cook. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Really? Yeah, it's not a school day tomorrow. But the 7.50, I agree. Why not 6 o'clock? It's all TV, Warren. That's why they pay the mediocre money. Oh, so people aren't going to turn over. Are they going to be watching... 
the news instead of I, I'm not a I'm not a broadcaster. I don't know no, why you're they not. Make, you're I, right. You're 100 percent right. Carlos. I don't I don't know why a TV broadcaster. I don't know why they they schedule you know games the way they do, but it's all at the uh, beck and call of TV. And you and to you, that's everything. Well, it's. It's TV's prerogative when they have it on. Oh, actually, I know because why. Because, obviously, if they had an hour early, they yep. may not get the viewership and sell their sponsorship. I mean, do I have to talk you through yeah, all this step-by-step? Yeah, I know. Step actually, step? I've, really? I've thought of the reason why you wouldn't want a 6 o'clock start, because you wouldn't want too many theatre-goers from the peninsula <laughs> on holidays actually getting to the game and, and actually immersing themselves in the spectacle that is football. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. On that note, it's uh, a quarter to 11. Warren's Football Tax Audit. Brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Uh, give them a call on 1300 366 639 and they'll look after all of your finances. Warren, who are you yeah, I, Unfortunately, I have to do this and Tax Talk will help you with any investment out there. And as far as I'm concerned, the A-League need to make an investment in either spectacles for referees or a new group of referees. I mean, Chris Beath, no disrespect no due disrespect, Chris, but sometimes I get the impression that you feel like it's all about you. You love to bring in a little bit of, you know, me, me, me time. It's personal. It's not. You're personally not, attacking a bloke needs, he's giving his all. Just needs you just to, want to audit him. Yeah. It needs to do better. And in the end, t- I tell you what, an audit is like an air check. From time to time, <laughs> you just need to hear it, don't you, Rodrigo? Yes. So you just need to get back on track. Just for our listeners who don't know what an air check is, it's... Uh, when Carlos basically tells you how you're going. Yes, we Scrutiny get of Warren's performance. Yeah, so I'll just say... By the way, Specsavers is the referee. Yeah, sponsor. well, you know, sometimes when you're being sponsored by somebody, you need to actually use the product. So Chris Beath tonight for the first penalty, I'm auditing him. There you go. There's uh, Warren's uh, tax audit uh, with thanks to Tax Talk. Let's take a break now and come back with uh, your calls and your text messages and more analysis, insightful analysis, <laughs> on the Melbourne Victory versus Newcastle Jets game where Victory defeated them 4-2 tonight uh, at Simmons Stadium. Let's take a break and come back with more of the final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Soccer Australia wish to announce a soccer team for the upcoming international against Tonga. Into the team comes Basil Scarcella Jr., Ian Knopp Jr., Tony Labazetta Jr., and Frank Farina Jr. Out goes Ocon, Charisma Bypass Operation, two weeks. Kuhl, Groin, or was it Hammy, three and a half years. Bosnich, Bruised Ego, indefinite. Zalich, Screw Loose, never to be released. This has been a soccer update by the Four Diego's. Thanks for your company on the final whistle here in eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Melbourne victory defeated Newcastle Jets four two. Barisha, Rojas, Kalfala, and Troisi uh, scoring for victory, and uh, Marley Lay scored for Newcastle Jets, as did Brown. Fourteen thousand and eighty one at Simmons Stadium. In Geelong, actually, Cotty from Newtown sent us a couple of texts tonight. Yeah. A great night at Cadinia Park. Geelong clearly deserved to be part of the A-League expansion. These victory fans are delusional. There were thousands of local Geelong people there tonight. Mm. And there you go. Um, actually getting a few texts from people in the region as well. So A couple of years ago, I, I was holidaying up the road, um, up near Fairhaven, and I mm-hmm. discovered that victory were playing there, and I decided to just make the drive down. I think a lot of the holiday goers along the Great Ocean Road 
would probably take the opportunity. Maybe that's one of the reasons, Warren, why the game started a little bit later. No, well, I would have thought it would have actually been better if it started earlier for that reason. Well, anyway. It wasn't a great beach did, day, 6 o'clock, well, you, 6, you don't 7. schedule it according to whether it's a great beach day or not. I mean, they're <laughs> going to schedule this months beforehand. Um, it's just off the, off the SMS. I would have gone to the game if the kickoff was at 7 p.m. So you're wrong. According well, to that one SMS. <laughs> this is an interesting from James in Q. Third year driving the distance to Geelong. Year one, no food, water and tickets wouldn't scan. Year two, massive delays getting out of the car park. Year three, burnt doughies and only one out of three registers took credit card. Hashtag getting there. <laughs> That's winning over yeah, the locals. Yeah. That's true. Good on you, James. Yeah. Very interesting. 94291116. We'll take your calls uh, for the rest of this hour and, of course, into the next hour. And Tom in Greenvale's given us a call. G'day, Tom. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year, Diego. You Same going? to you, Tom. Um, Warren, can you answer a question for me? It depends what the question <laughs> is, Tom. Mate, it's all in relation to that super marquee player, Maxi, that plays for Victory. I just can't get enough of the guy. <laughs> super Maxi. Maxi Bicer. Oh, he's yep. a star. Come on, Warren. Can you elaborate, please, Warren? Well, he's been underwhelming, hasn't he, really? I mean, he's come here unfit. He's come here clearly underdone. And look... Was it a, and I'll turn this around, was it a smack of desperation by Melbourne Victory based on, you know, their performance against Melbourne? I don't think it was. I mean, no, I think. They missed out on SEN. They, they missed out on DMR. And then Teresi got injured and, yeah. and, and that. So. And, I, and Tom, if you did see the boys' video, his YouTube video, oh, yes. it looks pretty good. Yep. And, uh, but I'm, I'm surprised a club like Victory, I mean, it's the sort of a signing that Central Coast Mariners would make. Where you get a video and it doesn't matter what he looks like or how unfit he is, they sign him. I'm surprised that, you know, a well-oiled machine, a professional outfit, a business like mm. Melbourne Victory would have signed the player that they weren't, that wasn't really genuinely ready to play. I mean, it, it is a bit of a, a slap in the face to the likes of Ben Kalfala, um, you know, even Mitch Austin. That this guy is playing ahead of someone like a Mitch Austin, or is on the bench beforehand, so he's either burning up the the pitch at training, uh, but not really offering much when he comes on the bench. I, I think he's running out of time to tell you the truth. I think uh, the likes of Mitch Austin, uh, Ingham is another one who, who looked sharp when he came on tonight. Uh, it's just I mean I think there's there's five players ahead of him if you're talking about the front striking uh, type of players. So uh, it was a surprising uh, signing there, Tom. Uh, obviously, you don't rate him either. No, I don't. I sort of, I'd say, why would you get rid of Flinkier and and uh, the other chap that went to back to Wellington and bring in a, a guy who's absolutely uh, should be sitting with me on the couch? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I think, not sure he's on the same money as those guys. Yeah, but he? also they didn't get rid of Barbarusis and Finkler. I they think, took better money elsewhere. Well, Barbarusis I think went. You know, he's against uh, Victory's wishes. I'm not sure about Finkler, whether they offered well, him a contract and he decided to well, go. And Finkler wasn't too happy that he was left out of the, uh, uh, the Champions, Champions League, yeah, League That's right. Squad. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Uh, look, there's a lot of players ahead of him at the moment, Tom, that's for sure. Thanks for your call there, Tom. Really appreciate that. Um, he, you know, geez, a lot of uh, argument going on. Seriously, you are deluded. There are thousands of cars going home on the M1 right now. So a bit of back and forth between the um, Melburnians yeah. and the people from uh, the Surf Coast. Yep. I think uh, mm. the people near Geelong anyway. Can uh, everyone who went to the game, who lives in the region, give us a ring or send us a text? Not so while you're on the everyone. road, though, Carlos. No, no, they, they live well, nearby. There's locals. They're walking oh, they're home locals. right now. If you've yes. got hands free, of course. Please, yeah, if you're from Geelong and you went to the game, just send us a text. 
There you go, 942 or 0433 98 11 16 or 9429 11 Carlos's Young Gun. With thanks to the Young Guns at the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping, it starts this year and uh, they are going great guns. They've got a cohort for this year but always looking for more enrolments as the year progresses. 9409 double eight double zero. Carlos, who was your young gun tonight? Yeah, the, the, an unlucky chap who uh, he was picked up as a youth team player in Adelaide in the same... Talk about cohort, the same cohort of players that uh, did, Rowan uh, Tongit come from. Did they just yeah, put all on their you. players on eBay? <laughs> all their youth players I mean, on eBay. Two of the young guns who have done really well. But anyway, uh, Johnny Katrumbus, who did very, very well tonight. He's actually done very well. 18-year-old player yep. uh, who Mark Jones has sort of uh, brought into the squad since he's taken over. And uh, he's a feisty centre-half. Who's who, cri- who Chris Beath pretty much... Yeah, you know, slaughtered. Like, he's slaughtered. He's into his career. Him. He's into <laughs> his career his by career. paying that uh, penalty against him tonight. But he, other than that, he's a he's a, one of these uh, real feisty centre halves. Not overly tall, but uh, I've been impressed with him a couple of times. Tough tackling, very very quick in the tackle, great second efforts and recovery. And uh, I know he was just being swamped tonight. It was a tidal wave with the four prongs of uh, Melbourne victory tonight. But I thought he did very well. So uh, Johnny Contrumbus, uh the uh, Newcastle Jets young gun. For St. Monica's uh, Northern Football Academy tonight, and I am while you're saying that, and I'm I'm going to say this seriously. Newcastle are the team of my of, you know of my origin. Yep. Melbourne City is the team I support now. Yep. But Newcastle, I'm really impressed with Wayne Brown as their manager. I think they've Wayne Brown, Mark Jones. <laughs> Sorry, Mark Jones. Wayne <laughs> Brown is this central no. midfielder. Mark Jones, you, I'm you really really well. Keep a no. really close eye on them. <laughs> I just actually looked at the screen. <laughs> And I thought that was the coach, but anyway, that's... <laughs> mind you, I'm, I actually thought Wayne Brown goes. You okay. want to stop? Quick, just quickly. stop now. I think you should no, no. Stop now. They're in. They're heading in the right direction. They're heading in the right direction. They've got a long way to go. Pluck they can't, means nothing. No, Warren. pluck means pluck a lot means when you've had nothing. no pluck a duck in the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thank you very much. There, uh, well, Carlos is young gun, of course, and, and then Warren. But uh, yeah, Wayne Brown did an interview. Okay, yeah. on <laughs> but. Uh, Tonight, it was Melbourne Victory who defeated Newcastle Jets 4-2 to uh, solidify themselves in second spot. Barisha scored his 91st goal tonight. It was his first goal tonight, though, in the 30th minute. Then Rojas scored. Kalfalar and Troisi scored as well. And uh, Lele Mar and Brown scored in front of 14,081. This is the final whistle, 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. There you go, the voices of uh, Francis Leach and Ed Wyatt, the SEN call team. Welcome to the Four Diego's final whistle here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. On a night tonight where Melbourne Victory uh, went to Geelong, Simmons Stadium, in fact, and defeated Newcastle Jets 4-2, as uh, you heard from the guys. Barisha, Rojas, uh, Kalfalar and Troisi scored for Melbourne Victory, and Lele Ma scored for Newcastle Jets, as did uh, Wayne Brown. In front of a crowd of 14,081 people, Hey, thanks for joining us. Rodrigo Rodriguez here tonight. Warren's here as well, and so is Carlos Alberto Diego. Um, in the first hour, we were talking about, obviously, a lot of the uh, Geelong, you know, the fact that uh, Geelong having an A-League team in the future. We talked about that. We talked about the time. There's a lot happening on the we pitch We talked well. about the game, Rodrigo. <laughs> we even talked about, <laughs> about the game. Um, but, uh, no, we'll talk more about that. So give us a call tonight on 9429 1116. What, 
What was the hotline tonight? Uh, Victory Owns Geelong hotline. Well. Yes, uh, for any consortium hopefuls out there, uh, the Victory have been in there for a few years now and uh, they feel very, very comfortable in uh, Simmons Stadium. But uh, getting a lot of stuff off the SMS yeah. right now. We did call out to all the locals in the Geelong area around that region whether you felt that it would be a hotbed to put an A-League club in. Because my philosophy around this, and not that Warren cares to hear this, but uh, for me, we don't need, or the sport in Australia doesn't need expansion club put into a area where it's just going to be a slow burn. We've got the Melbourne City slow burn. Uh, we've got the victory behemoth and the slow burn in Melbourne City. We don't need another slow burn in, in, uh, in uh, Victoria. Uh, but if Geelong is that hotbed... I'd love to see a team in there. And we're getting uh, differing, differing opinions yeah. here. Some people in the area saying that it is a hotbed and a yep. lot of people on their way back from Geelong to Melbourne saying that uh, most of the people, the vast majority yeah. of the people there tonight, of course, were Melbourne Victory fans coming to Melbourne, which you'd expect there to be. But also, it's not in, for me, it's not an indicator of whether an A-League club should so be So you don't trust route. people, do you, Carlos? They get on the SMS, they, they, they talk about it because they're there. Unlike yourself... That drops into Geelong and not have the people that are there. You are live, saying to you, you live it's in, a hot You bed. live in that corridor. I do live in okay. the corridor. Now, if just just say your beloved Melbourne City wasn't playing in Geelong, right? You live in the corridor, but your beloved Melbourne City don't play. Would you go and see an A League that A League team? No. Okay. You got to. Well, so the is, thing is, this what, is you've just you've this just is destroyed people. your own argument in that Geelong oh, people I? will. I believe a Geelong people. If they have an A-League team from Geelong, we'll support Geelong. They won't necessarily support victory if they don't break for victory. That's my point. 9429. Slam dunk. Shut the door. Well, Warren, don't say another word during the show. And that's what me doing the, the um, phone number was. <laughs> so you want me not to speak for the rest of the show? No, no. 94291116. Give us a call. What do you think? If you're in the car on the way home or if you're in the area... Um, Geelong and the Surf Coast around that area or in the corridor as Warren is. You, um, you think call. you go to these town hall meetings, don't you, and that you're the voice and you're the voice of the people. You don't. You, you don't listen to people. You speak at them. You talk at them. Listen, I've been to the Anarchy town hall meeting and the Bell Post Hill town hall meeting and I'm getting a feel for what's happening in Geelong. There are a lot of people who say Geelong and actually football people saying there's no problem with having an A-League team in Geelong. I'm just getting a few ex-Geelong people not living in Geelong currently who say it would never happen. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Send us a text message um, because we'd love to hear from you, of course. And uh, we get, we've got an absolutely perler of a text message here. It was a very long one, but I'm going to read it word for word because Simon has put a lot of effort into this. Hi, guys. My first A-League game tonight, and I'm a Geelong local. Well done to victory, but the fact that you couldn't agree or are unsure of how and why a local Geelong team will work and captivate the region, because that's what you need to do to build a great club, is why we shouldn't have an A-League team. Until it's clear how and why a team will make Geelong people proud, as is the case with the AFL team, then let's be happy with two great Melbourne clubs. No one wants to be embarrassed by a failed local team. There's Simon. Great text message, and that's what I just... I'm trying to get a, a handle on... Whether that, because I believe it's got to be put in a in an area where it's a hotbed, right? And even if we don't recognise that hotbed right now, the locals would know whether we'd get fifteen thousand people there or not. And it's actually very divisive at the moment. Uh, and, I, and like I said, I know no, you you've made it divisive. No, I'm no. asking the question of many people to try and get a handle on on what the what the real uh, 
you know, what the what what it really looks like over there. And the thing that trouble not troubles me, but some influential people who don't live in Geelong, but from that Geelong area, they've told me at the town hall no, meeting. No, no, so this, I decided this wasn't to go to the town hall meeting. This was a private. This uh, is a private. Yeah, it's a private dining room at the town hall <laughs> meeting, uh, and they've told me that it would never work. But then some really influential people in football living in Geelong have told me, of course, it would there work. You go. Carlos has morphed into a FIFA committee guy. <laughs> there you go. Off the text message. Xco. They call me Xco <laughs> Carlos. Um, here we go. Hey boys, made the trek from the peninsula to Geelong. Seven fifty kickoff almost kept me home. That's uh, one yeah, for you there. there you go. Yep. Um, a good, basically, would have been nice to have an earlier start on a public holiday when it takes an hour to get home. Jack in Thornbury. Yeah, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Thanks for your text messages. Keep sending them through. We'll uh, get to them throughout the show. Uh, Shane has called in on nine four two nine eleven sixteen from Berwick. G'day, Shane, and welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you? Enjoy listening. Good show. Oh, Very you. good. Thank, thank you. you. Welcome. Um, I'm in the eastern suburbs now. I know one of the two Melbourne teams made a visit out to Casey Fields this year. I can't remember who it was, but I. I have a direct link with a lot of junior footy clubs in the area, and they're losing players out here left and right to soccer, which is a good thing because they're still getting kids involved. But if they got off their rump and did some decent stuff out here, good promotion, one of the teams would make a home out here, I have no doubt. It's just whoever it's going to be. I think Victory are pretty well entrenched where they are. But Melbourne City chose to go the other side of town for their training base, and I don't know they've just put two towns, two teams into one city, and you could have such a good organisation out here. Yeah, look, I think there's there's two parts to what you say, Shane. I think the promotion of teams around the game is really important. I can only comment out in the western suburbs. There's a direct link between the club that my kids play at and Melbourne Victory, and it's well done. It's well established. It's well done, and there is a there's a a natural sort of linking of those kids to Melbourne victory. So I'm not sure how that's done or whether it's formally headed. I think one of the big problems, and I grew up in New South Wales, so I think I've got some reason to comment, and particularly with the expansion teams from New South Wales, is in Victoria, because football is played on an oval field and they've centralised the big stadiums in the centre of the city, and then they built the only rectangular stadium of any note with capacity in that sporting precinct, that the problem we've got is I think you can do as much promotion in an area as you want, but I think ultimately to, to get fans, you have to play games in and around the location that you're training or playing. Now, you can go and play at Casey Fields in a practice game, there's no established facilities and stadium facilities for our clubs in Melbourne to play other than, if you think about it, Etihad, Amy Park, and what are the other options? Well, there's no AFL Park anymore, and that may have been an option if it still existed to play games out in the eastern suburbs, but I think that's the problem that we've got. Yeah, and also, just to let you know, Stane, I'm not sure if you saw the media reports about two or three weeks ago when just the explosion of the Tassie bid came out and a few others. Uh, Casey, uh, you know, a consortium from Casey apparently is looking to... Uh, partner the local council and they've talked about a $20 million upgrade of the Casey Fields precinct to, to add football into there. I don't think that that means that they would be playing official A-League games there, but they certainly have their training base. And $20 million is nothing really if you're going to develop a training base. If you had a look at... Um you know, what they've got at, uh, Melbourne, at City. Melbourne City, I mean, that you know, there'd be 50, 60 million put into that, and they're still spending more on that anyway. So 20 million is just a drop in the ocean. I mean, Shane, are you still there, Shane? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, if because they're they're talking about a consortium putting something together for that Casey, Casey region. If they were to build some sort of stadium in that region, because that's what they would need to do, is there a hotbed to get your ten to fifteen thousand people every game supporting yeah, a local club? I, I do go. I've got relatives in Western suburbs. They go there all the time. But this place just keeps. I've lived in this area for twenty years now, and I've worked around it. It's just gone nuts. You can't fit enough houses in this place. It's, it's like the streets and roads and everything. Like they have. You know, Ford planning, they have town planners. They knew this was coming. Melbourne Heart was around, what, eight, nine years ago? Uh, well, like seven years? Seven years, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and they were struggling then. Now, if you get some people off, I, say, I can't wait to the word, off their rumps, start thinking about things, start thinking about how big Melbourne's getting. And yep. sport is part of the major part of this town. Get off some ideas, get some people who think ahead, and that's fine. $20 million, you're right. At Casey, well, Put a, oval, a rectangle over together, it'll have a nice little stand at one end, and that's about it. Yep. Get someone who's serious, put 200 million into it over a long term plan, and get it out of here. It's yep. going to work. Shane, the thing about growth corridors, we heard, we're hearing that everywhere because they're talking about that south, you know, the the the, the south coast, or sorry, the yes, the Torquay, Janjuk. Uh, that Geelong area, that also going up to Point Cook, the Werribee yeah, yeah, region, yeah, yeah. that they're talking about that being a growth area too. So I think the growth area argument uh, that could be made for even the Gold Coast, to tell you the truth. I mean, they had Gold Coast uh, United up there too. So uh, it it's got to be put into an area like West Sydney was an immediate success, mm, uh, and it was way uh, you know you know it was way after that they should have had it in there, but it was immediate success, and I think that's what we need to be. Really demanding. That's going to be next... very hard to replicate. I think. Well, we, we but we just can't make these decisions lightly. Mm. Uh, Queensland, North Queensland's fury died because it was no, there was no thought to it. Gold Coast died because there's no thought to I it. I thought Gold Coast died because of the ownership. Yeah, and I, I mean, also, that. but but really, they you know, I don't know anything about. Look, I don't know anything about that area. They may it may be a hotbed, but it was just made bad by Clive Palmer. But uh, but we just we just can't make these decisions lightly. This is a team forever. It's not a team for five years until it goes broke. So if it's Geelong, let's make sure that's a hotbed. If it's if it's Casey, the Casey region, make sure it's a hotbed. Don't take guesses with these things. And I think that's what Shane's saying too. Thanks for your call there, Shane. Really appreciate it. Uh, very insightful. Let's go to Carol in Devon Meadows. G'day, Carol, and welcome to the show. Hi. Um, down at Casey Field, um, we have plans for the Casey Council to um, to build a show court for soccer or football, as you call it, with other soccer fields available as well. And that is in the plans for the city of Casey. So there is the facility there. If a, an A-League club wanted to come out there, there would be a facility available for them. So, Carol, you sound like you have some inside knowledge. Are you the mayor of Casey, are you, Carol? Or do you have some sort of link to the – because I know there's a group out there that's uh, looking to uh, maybe propose something to the FFA. I don't know what they're proposing, but I am on the Casey Field Steering Committee, so I am aware of what is being planned at Casey Field. Yep. And we have this – Land available, and we have more land coming on board. 
Carol, is it a case of if you build it, they will come? Do you think there's a a sense of a groundswell of support if there was a, a standalone team that was out there? Or do you think that having Melbourne City, say, play games out there or an established day, one of the established A-League teams, or is it more a sense of a new team goes out there and the support that they could garner would be able to make them successful? I think initially it is a case of providing facilities for the kids out there because there's a lack of facilities at the moment um, because soccer is a growing um, game and lack of facilities. But certainly we are looking at bringing out initially showcase games whether they be practice games or whatever, and then hopefully developing a team that we can call our own. Well, thanks very much there, Carol. That's um, very interesting to get in, getting an insider's uh, point of view of what's, uh, what the infrastructure is required. And, but and I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that it's going to meet the timing of what we're talking about, the expansion teams for 2018, but it sounds like... You know, it's it's up for grabs. So, you know, if City or or Victory want to start owning that area, or not owning that area, but start investing in that area, they might, uh, whereas, you know, our Victory is investing in the Geelong area and have done so now for three or four years, um, maybe it's just up for grabs in that respect. Well, and Council's now yeah. really uh, considering, you know, what investment to make into the game in their regions because, yep. you know, as, as we'd heard tonight, you know, there, there's... A lot of people are playing, a lot of kids are playing this game now mm. and forcing councils to create, you know, pitches now. So it's it's fantastic stuff. And look, I agree with Chris off the text message. You get another good night for football tonight. The A-League is moving forward. So, you know, 14,081 people at Simmons Stadium in Geelong. It has put Geelong right in the spotlight for for this game. You know, you wouldn't have thought this, you know, many, many mm. years ago. So it's fantastic to see. Hey, let's go to Alexandra in Springvale. G'day, Alexandra, and welcome to the final whistle. Hi there. Hey, how are you going? Good, thanks. What, what's, uh, what are your thoughts on... Uh, have you got a thought on the game or are you thinking about expansion? I'm thinking about expansion. I, um, I live out in the southeastern Springvale and there was uh, one article I saw at one stage, uh, the mayor of the city of Great Dandong saying there should be a stadium um, in uh, where the Dandong showgrounds are at the moment mm. and for a team so playing in Dandenong, uh, but also for the Dandenong Casey area instead of using Casey Fields. Yeah, well, look, I think I think what look, the good thing about this, Alexandra, is that people are starting, and now with consortiums uh, for expansion, FFA may be in a position to start demanding as part of your proposal, don't tell us about growth areas, don't tell us about these overseas coaches you're going to bring to coach your teams, tell us about an investment dollar for dollar with your council to build a stadium, a rectangular stadium, uh, like they do in America. Uh, until uh, when they were using all the baseball stadiums and the NFL stadiums and so forth, it just wasn't affordable. Uh, it wasn't a, a commercially viable sport in America. But until they started building their boutique stadiums, their football boutique stadiums, that's when the MLS started to really gain some commercial traction in the marketplace. Maybe, you, maybe part of this whole thing is, and this is where maybe South Melbourne has uh, some sort of uh, advantage over everyone else, that you've got to have your rectangular ground, even though the South Melbourne ground is the 
uh, athletics yep. track around it. But maybe that's part of what they're demanding, and that will shut down a lot of a lot of people. Tassie's come out and said they'll they'll invest in the stadium, which is, will probably give them an advantage too. So maybe that's what you've got to have to do too. Thanks for your call, Alexandra. Really appreciate that. Uh, some interesting stuff going on in the suburbs, which is awesome. So hey, nine four two nine eleven sixteen nine four two nine eleven sixteen. What is the hotline again tonight? Geelong, uh, sorry, Victory yeah. Own Geelong hotline. Yeah, nine four two. That's how all, but, but, that's how all this started, Carlos. Nine four two. But here's the thing: it's now like, what other part of city can another team own? What part of Melbourne can another team find and own? I mean, look, I, my personal thought on this is: I think two teams in Melbourne at the moment is about enough. I think there is issues around how we service the, you know, how the population of Melbourne can be better catered for in terms of, you know, teams going and playing. But the simple fact of the matter is one of the biggest issues in Melbourne that we haven't got in Sydney is we've centralised the location of our big stadiums, whereas rectangular stadiums, because they're rugby league stadiums in winter, mean that Sydney has pretty much got one everywhere there's a rugby league team that could be that's, that can be used for a soccer game. And that gives them a natural advantage about decentralising their teams. Western Sydney Wanderers didn't need to worry about a stadium. It's an issue for them now, but they went straight to Parramatta. But if it wasn't for Western Sydney Wanderers, that Parramatta stadium... Um, wouldn't be being redeveloped. Yeah, probably, and by the exactly. way, we've had calls from people in Sydney who don't want to get on a train to go outside the city area to go to a ground. I mean, that's your well, other they issue. they actually don't want to go, and, and some of them don't even want to go into the city because Moore Park <laughs> is a true. difficult place to get it's to. True. Hey, we're going to need to take a break. But before we do... Uh, We've been talking about the suburbs and football in Victoria. The FFV do a fantastic job for football in Victoria. Their 2017 membership packages for community and business are now available. Now, community and business is a fantastic entry point for any business looking to support football in Victoria. It provides an exclusive membership benefits program and it connects uh, people from from all the stakeholders in the game. You know, obviously, the the people in the game, media, um, advertisers, sponsors, people within the game, the clubs. It's fantastic. It's a terrific networking opportunity for like-minded people to do business and share a passion for the world game. Let's keep the money in the game. That's what uh, Community and Business is all about. If you'd like to become a member, please go to www.communityandbusiness.com.au. It's a fantastic program, and congratulations to the FFV for doing that. Let's take a break now and come back with more of the final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Kilmarnock, Scotland's second oldest club, was forced to change its club crest in 1992 on the advice of the Lord Lion of Scotland. The badge, a shield supported by two squirrels, was based on the burrow of Kilmarnock's crest, but bore too close a resemblance to the coat of arms of the Earl of Boyd, and the club was advised that legal action was a possibility. So the shield was replaced by a football. If you're wondering about the squirrels, they're supposed to be symbols of industry, while a two-fingered salute has religious significance. The thumb, index finger and middle finger represent respectively the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost. This has been a useless trivia moment by the Four Diegos. 
Thanks for your company on the final whistle. Melbourne victory defeated Newcastle Jets 4-2. Barisha scored his 91st goal. Rojas, Kalfala and Troisi uh, scored the rest of them for the victory. And uh, Lele Ma scored in the 61st minute and Brown in the 76th minute. It was at Simmons, Simmons Stadium tonight, a crowd of 14,081. Just uh, off the text message, how many Barisha goals were penalties compared to Thompson? Please let me know. Well, our Pedro our our research, producer, department, our yeah. research department, um, Barisha has now scored 25 penalties in his 91 goals. Same source has Archie netting no more than one in his 90. Of course, we had Musket taking penalties. Yep. Barisha takes them. Milligan would have taken yep. them. Hernandez, uh, they would have taken them ahead of him. Would have been, I, can't, I know that Archie played a lot more games. Yeah, it's it's about 50 games. More, I think. To, uh, yeah, how many get games the research department on that. But, mm. uh, it's do you count great... pens? I mean, you do. You do but of course, should you? Uh, I think you should discount your goal scoring, your you know, you know uh, in play goal scoring by a goal or no, by five goals every time you miss a pen. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> so that should be the. You'd the, need the, the abacus to yeah, get out. Yeah, the discount, work out yeah, yeah, How many yeah. you've got? So uh, there should be a penalty on missing a penalty. What, did I get that right? Uh, no, Fornaroli would have lost uh, ten points. <laughs> he would have lost ten goals. goals. Now Rodrigo, just for you, I'm going to keep you quiet for a second because Frank from Frankston. This has to be read. Right, <laughs> has to be read. It has to be Frank relative. from Frankston. This is a message to Rodrigo. Rodrigo, you were the star of the show, controlling those amazing egos in your studio. <laughs> Frank from Frankston, you are so right. You are the unheralded. You are like the the you are like the Alan Barrow of the Diego's, <laughs> unheralded <laughs> Diego, who does amazing every set. No, every, he doesn't. I disagree. Does. No, no, he always favours you. There's yeah. a long line of Rodriguez's in uh, Frankston too, by the way. So, so thanks. Probably your second cousin. Yeah, good on you, Frank. Really you really get the accolades. You're not impa- but the way that you give the impression that you're impartial, people should see what you're like. <laughs> in here. Very quietly. So Archie played 224 games, and uh, Bessart has played uh, 142 games. Oh, well, you know. There you go. Really? All right, 94291116. Give us a call tonight. Uh, if you're going to send texts like that, Frank, uh, please keep them coming <laughs> on 0433981116. Let's go to Everett and Edith Vale. G'day, Everett. How are you? How are you guys? Yeah, very well. Welcome to the show. Good on you. Um, now, actually, uh, I was born in Holland and came out here a very, very long time ago, and I've been back to the Netherlands. Now, I just don't want uh, we in Australia to make the same mistakes that they have. Uh, I know you guys have been there and you've seen what's happened over there. They play a lot of uh, second teams like AX2 mm. in, the, in the second division. Um, a lot of the stadiums are empty. There's been a lot of problems with, uh, you know, uh, half-empty stadiums. And I remember well, I used to go to victory games where there used to be forty to 45,000 people. And then when Melbourne City came along... Uh, you know, you're not getting any more than twenty five, thirty thousand at these victory games. Mm. Uh, I think the biggest mistake that was made is that we had two Melbourne teams right next to each other, and I don't think it's ever going to work. To be quite honest, and I'm, I'm a Melbourne City supporter, but uh, it, it's just not working. I mean, they're yeah. not, never going to get over twelve thousand people there. I hate to say that. Look, it's not. I wouldn't put it in the same category as, say, a Greater Western Sydney, which I think will take a hundred years to reach anywhere near all the other AFL clubs that are out there. I think Melbourne City, with consistent success, uh, a lot of investment in high-profile marquees for a long, long time. I think that they'll get their co. I don't. If Melbourne Victory keep on going the way they are, and they are a winning club, so they will keep on getting better and better. They'll have their little dips here and there, but they'll get better and better over the years. 
Victory is going to be a, a 40,000 to 50,000 membership team in 10 years' time. Uh, I think if Melbourne City can get it to the 20,000 members or 25,000 members in that same period of time with consistent success, I think that's that's a good foundation for a club. I agree, but there's but no let, doubt. Let me just go back to the whole Holland thing. I think the whole Dutch experience, having been there and, and been shocked at state, what I saw... Um, except for the top, top clubs there, there's a lot of clubs that have very few resources. And as much as there's a football culture over there, you know, the sports science and all the resources around football clubs are no better than some of our NPL clubs. And I'm talking about Eredivisie clubs uh, that I went to visit at different times. I was actually shocked at the standard there. The problem with the Dutch, though, Everett, is the fact that you've got an established sport there. It's probably not going to grow any further in, in numbers. It's just the number one sport. So the the... The um, the way that that will get bigger is only uh, in a minor, you know, way compared to our football in Australia. There's still a lot of upside to our football in Australia as far as getting to different markets, you know, winning the hearts and minds of people and stuff like that. But uh, but so I, I, it's just a different. I mean, victory came into a marketplace where people were crying out for a club. It could have been called Warren Wednesday. <laughs> And they probably would have got a big membership in the first they year. They would have had a huge first year membership. So I'm just saying, I think Victory have been this, the, um, you know, a club that's really benefited from the fact that they were first in market. They won things, if for year one, they won things pretty regularly from there. And that's why they've got that, that sort of, uh, that base, you know, cohort of members and crowd that's really going to, propel them into the future. Melbourne City is a different situation. I don't think Melbourne City is going to die, but it's one of those clubs that will grow very, very slowly with a lot of success over time. And I'll say two things. I've got no doubt that the centralising of facilities in Melbourne, it's an advantage, but it's a disadvantage. In terms of, as we decentralise this city, and Melbourne is one of the biggest cities from end to end in the world, and we're only going out on the edges so for people wanting to follow the game, they're getting further and further away from where the Melbourne teams play. And I think, you know, you chuck in transport and all that difficulty. There's a lot of logistical difficulties. You'll go and yep, when you're rusted on, you'll go anywhere. But at the start, you need it to be accessible. And I don't know whether it absolutely is. What if they built a football stadium, a 15,000, 20,000 capacity football stadium in the Point Cook region? Yeah, well, I think... Would that be a winner? I think it's a chance. Werribee, cha- Point yeah, Cook? I do. And I, but I genuinely think that could be anywhere. But the thing is, they've made a decision. And let's face it, infrastructure within Melbourne has been based around AFL, essentially. You know, the rectangular stadium was really built for Melbourne Storm. But if you think about it, it's really based around AFL facilities. They own Eddie had the MCG is there, whereas in Sydney and even in, in Brisbane, because there are alternative venues to Lang Park in Brisbane to actually play games because of the rectangular nature yep. of the stadiums. So, and the other thing I'd say, and I don't, I, I think comparing Victory and City, you're not comparing apples with apples. Now, if Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory started at the same time, say there were two licenses given in Melbourne at exactly the same time, I would think that the team that was most successful on the park would have the biggest membership, but there wouldn't be a disparity in the membership as there is now. Between Melbourne Victory and Melbourne and Melbourne City, 
Uh, let's go to Tom in St Kilda. Thanks for your call, by the way, Everett. Tom in St Kilda, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you going? Cheers, yeah, guys. Very good. Very well. So I wanted to give you a call in regards to the expansion bid posed by uh, the Tasmanians, being a Tasmanian myself. Mm-hmm. Now, I know having grown up in Tasmania playing representative soccer, that there doesn't seem to be a pathway for kids coming through the soccer ranks. Obviously, there is no A-League team. And obviously, having been from Tassie, there's plenty of room to build plenty of stadiums. And, you know, considering the idea of a hotbed, I really do think that the bid from Tassie, you'd, you'd quite easily see fifteen to 20,000 members of a soccer club coming from Adelaide. I want to know what your guys' thoughts were about uh, the Tassie bid. I, 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 I would defer to people from Tassie to tell me whether it's a hotbed or not. I'm just, I'm a Victorian who looks at Tassie and the potential of a place uh, for a professional sport from the AFL to cricket. I think they had a, cri- a professional cricket team there. Didn't, is that right? Or a basketball team? Well, they've had, they've had a basketball team yep. playing the NBL in the previous yep. incarnation of the NBL. Yep. They've got, currently got a, yep. a Hobart team in the, in the Big Bash, yep. the yep. Hobart Hurricanes. I, I certainly know their proposal has got a lot of support from government, local government, state government, federal government. Uh, but whether it's a hotbed, that's for, uh, really, I'm only guessing to tell you the truth there, Tom. And, uh, and it, it concerns me a little bit because I don't really want the best sell job, like the, uh, like the Qatar World Cup bid, the best sell job to get, uh, to get the next expansion. So I, I really want to be put, I want this team to be put in the right spot. Uh, and I want, you know, us to see a real future for that team. From day one, bringing in twelve to 15,000 people as a starting point. That's what I want to see. People say, well, where the hell are we going to do that? Well, that's, that's why it's a, it's a difficult decision. We've got to do our homework. We've got to do our, um, you know, our, our, you know, the, our, our numbers. Our, well, we've got to do the, you know, the future projections and of, you know, where people, the whole, it's a whole multitude of things. Don't just take a guess. I don't think they will this time. They, well, I know, hope they not. might, I they hope might not. not get it right, by the way, yeah. because it's, it's, it's one of those situations. Thanks for your call, Tom. Insightful, though, from Tasmania, um, plays the game, has played the game yep. in Tasmania as well. John in Brunswick. G'day and welcome to the final whistle. Hey man, how we going? Yeah, very well. That's good. Uh, I'm ringing up, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet. I've been following um, football for a long time, since around Phillips League and so on and so forth. Now, the thing that disappoints me is the, um, the dress and the stands of the coaches. They always seem um, like they're half-shaven and they look as though <laughs> they, they really look like a pack of grubs, you know what I mean? Like... Um, and, but they're wearing suits, John. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, they're wearing suits, but they're unshaven and they just look dirty. Yeah. And it's um, all, all the players look immaculate. They look well, and um, it, it just—I think it um, brings the standard down. And um, I, I don't know whether it's because that um, Hans Postecoglou—he he looks the same. He, he's not too keen on shaving and that. But and I think that to, to look at. Um, the most professional organisation in Australia is the AFL, and all their coaches they always look immaculate, they're always well dressed, and yep. and that. And I think the um, we're letting our supporters down and letting the people who who don't like football. That's a point that they can criticise us about, you know, saying how unprofessional they look and so on and so forth. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. We're just hearing. Um, 
off the wires right now is actually going to be one of the guidelines um, <laughs> if expansion uh, when the expansion uh, teams get selected. So, uh, yeah, grooming will be a very important well, factor. Well, so the most well-groomed, uh, the, the, the yeah. hardest-trying, well-groomed yeah. Diego, Warren? Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Oh, look, I mean, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting point because... You're kidding. No, no because you're kidding. It's an interesting point because all I'm going to say is there's half the coaches in the in the A League that might go down the Tony Pulis model, which is really the tracksuit and the boots, you know, like getting in there. Sam Allardyce is a bit like that. I, I don't think it's got any correlation between John Elwissi is the most whatever. immaculate looking coach in he world is. football. Absolutely. Okay, Kevin Musket's sort of bad looking bloke. Okay, he looks a bit like me, but you know, he's not a bad looking bloke. <laughs> Um, John Van Skip with his loafers. You can't go past the tan and the loafers there. Good looking guy. Uh, Graham Arnold for an older Aussie, you know, centre forward who's been beaten around the. There's no Pep, though, is there? Pep, Pep Radio. There's no. There's no guy dressed like Pep. Yeah, the ruggedly handsome Pep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, That's the John uh, Aloisi of the world. Gia Moore. Really, the guy who makes love to every woman in Adelaide after every game. (laughs) I mean, he's just. He's smouldering, isn't he? Uh, Kenny Lowe, he's a bit of a... You know. Kenny's the tracksuit. Yeah. He's the Tony Pulis. Yeah. Uh, I disagree with John. I reckon they're good-looking coaches who wear all the latest gear and they wear their suits. So, Johnny, I'm not sure who you, you're referring to. Um, the central coach, Paul Ocon's a good-looking bloke. <laughs> Mark Jones, okay. Bit of a skin problem, but he's okay. <laughs> he's skin okay. problem? Is he? He's been away from home for a couple of days. He just yeah. forgot to shave. Yeah. So, I think they're not bad-looking blokes. John, see what you've started? <laughs> he's, I think John... Oh, he's there. Believe me, look, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about their grooming. Don't you think they should set the standard? If they're the, if they're the top of, of, of the, the tree, all the other coaches down through the junior leagues are going to follow them. But don't you think that they should set the standard and, and be the best? Yeah, I don't think it's. An, I think it's a non-issue, just quietly, John. But thanks for calling it uh, at quarter to twelve and. Uh... You know, on a Monday night. Uh, I've just got a, something off uh, Twitter just responding to you there, mate. Uh, there's always one crazy caller. No one cares what coaches look like. And no, it's not an interesting discussion. That's from Randy. Uh, no, I, look, John cares. There's two parts to, to this. But oh, look, it's I, not, it's no, not no, relevant. No, here it is. Here, quickly, oh, Warren, this quickly, is where I'm going to agree on. with him. You've got, you've got coaches incessantly abusing and unnecessarily abusing referees, and it happened again tonight. I mean, I could have... I audited Chris Chris Beef, but I could have ordered, audited the assistant coach of John Melbourne. John Paul De- I mean, yep. what's he thinking? Twice. I mean, what's he thinking? That's... To be honest with you, John, that's more of an issue than the grooming issue to me. But setting a standard, absolutely they have to. Hey, let's take a break now. Come back with more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. When Arsenal striker Ian Wright was asked about opposing fans booing him, he replied, The fans who give me stick are the sort of people who still point at aeroplanes. Jeez, I love this game. This is the Four Diego's. Coming around the home stretch now, Melbourne victory defeated Newcastle Jets 4-2 tonight at Simmons Stadium in Geelong in front of a crowd of 14,081. Barisha... Rojas, Kalfala and Troisi scored for victory. Lele Ma and Brown scored for Newcastle Jets. The best attacking quartet in the A-League. Four prongs. Prolific. They were very good tonight. Uh, let's go to Steve in Mitcham. G'day, Steve, and welcome to the final whistle. Thanks for the welcome and, and good evening to you. And thanks for being patient. Really appreciate that. No, that's all right. Um, no, I, I think the league actually screwed it up pretty badly pretty much from the start. 
um, if, if you bring in a second team in Melbourne that, that doesn't really have any diversity from the first team, you, you, you've shot yourself in the foot from the beginning. What they should have done was brought in a team from Geelong. At least they would have had a ge- geographical difference. You've got two teams in central Melbourne. At least the Sydney uh, experiment went from central Sydney to western Sydney. Uh, a lot of the other teams in um, Queensland and New South Wales have, have failed. But they, they killed themselves by doing that. And, and the current um, proposition is going backwards 100 miles an hour to a ethnically-based team. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's going to go to that. I, I, I think, Steve, that uh, that there'll be, you know, there'll be certainly parameters about, you know, what the team could represent and what group of people it should represent. But just an interesting fact: back to year one, in the decision to get to award the license to Melbourne Victory, Melbourne United was a bid at that time that was vying for a license against Melbourne Victory. I think there was a couple of others, but they were the two: Melbourne United, Melbourne Victory. And I know for a fact that Melbourne United were a club that were going to be based in Geelong at the time, and they had uh, some really close ties to the Geelong. Canidia Park at the time, and they were going to play games there. So, um, and it was really interesting. From my information, uh, all the indications at the time were that they were the favoured group for the licence. Uh, and uh, in a bit of a surprise at the time, Melbourne Victory got up and got the licence in, you know, rather than Melbourne United. So, I'm not sure what happened back in those days. Uh, and I think the fact that they only had an 18 competition in year one, I think that really limited. What you what you had to say? They were so paranoid about having a team go, uh, having teams go broke, and the league not being commercial and not being uh, viable. That uh, that they really kept it to eight clubs and really kept really close control. You know, salary caps and and even you know what teams could wear and you know what you know what uh, apparel you know partnerships they had with clubs and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, it was really, really tight, and maybe that's come back to bite them a little bit right now. Uh, but this next decision has to be made on the right basis, on the right premise. It can't be guesswork, and it can't be because of politics. If it is, as I said to Rodrigo during the break, we should exterminate the FFA and get rid of that because we, <laughs> we need don't... the Daleks to come in. <laughs> we need, we absolutely need this next decision, and even if they get it wrong. But it has to be based on good information and data and well thought out what's good for the game, what's good for television too. Thanks for your call there, Steve. Really appreciate that. You make some good points. Uh, 0433981116 has been the text number to date. Hey, uh, Council's finally realising the power of the round ball. Hallelujah. We actually heard from some people in the uh, in the suburbs tonight. It was fantastic. Um, a good test for Geelong would be to have Melbourne City play a game there instead of always victory. There's, uh, there's David. Not sure what that would do, David, but yeah. thank you. Um, just off the text here, three Diegos, that's because uh, Vinnie Venezuela is on holidays at the moment. Um, the unsung hero for Melbourne victory is Carl Valeri after his illness last year. To get up and probably be the best defensive midfielder in the A-League is a huge credit to him. Cheers, Tom. And, and Tom, I was actually looking at him closely tonight. I thought he had a fantastic game tonight, Carl, but no one, he's just so understated with the way he goes about it that no one really sort of, you know, Puts him in the same category as your as your four pronged attack who tend to score every week and the the excitement machines that they are in Barisha, Rojas, so Ben Calfalar and Troisi. But I thought Carl Valeri, especially when 
Newcastle Jets show a little bit of toe, a little bit of pluck early in the game. I thought he was breaking up some of their attacks. And oh, he's back to his best. Yeah, he? he's a fantastic uh, leader, and he's just so understated. There you go, just another one. off. The real benefit of expansion teams for the A-League is that we develop more quality local talent and not keep on turning over the same players over and over again, lacking new talent, Australian talent. Uh, this is being seen through uh, missing out on Youth World Cup qualifiers. That's a big argument. It's a fantastic... It was a really good article in the paper today, I think, uh, or over the last couple of days, about uh, the fact that we just don't have enough opportunities for a lot of our Australian players. And we've got the biggest sport, you know, biggest number of registration. Yep. Yeah, and so we're going to suddenly have this funnel of, of kids who want to take this sport seriously, especially with the global nature of it and the money in the sport. It'll be the, the, the sport of choice for a lot of these Australian kids and um, if it's not already. And suddenly there's a very little opportunity, you know, as far as a number of A-League clubs and the number of academies that are out there. I know A-League A-League clubs are starting up their own academies, but that's going to be limited too. So uh, we've got to do something to make sure we give you know, our elite kids a chance to play elite football in this country. And given that Aaron Moy jumped from this league straight into the championship, being one of the best players in that league, and most probably if he transferred in the January transfer window to an EPL club, could probably be playing EPL football all within 12 months of the A-League, shows that we've got a decent competition here that our kids can thrive in. Just before we go, because we've only got uh, uh, about half a minute left, uh, some words on Bessart Barisha. Warren? Oh, he look, he frustrates me, but he's a superstar. Like he frustrates me only because he's so good and he's so keen. He's you know, but goal scoring can't question him. He's a superstar. His record and the other thing is it's trophies. He brings trophies to the teams that he goes to. There you go. Did I that, go for too long? No, no. On that note, you fantastic, lovely little <laughs> tribute to Bessard. That's it for this week's show. So remember, Carlos. We're a Puerto Rican girls hang out. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever you samba, rumba, and la bamba, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Where there's girls with fruit on the head and balls at their feet, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever gringos play football, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the Four Diego's. Ole! Ole!